0: You are listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Today, we will be discussing the role of the physician as medical director and investigating why this, too, has been regulated under Stark laws. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today, Jim Bream, an attorney with the offices of Quarry and Harrow. Jim concentrates on the defense of hospitals, managed care organizations, and physicians in professional liability programs. He has handled cases in the trial and appellate courts and is a featured speaker and guest lecturer on various healthcare care and medical legal issues. Jim, welcome to the show.
1: I'm happy to be here, Larry. Thanks for having me.
0: Obviously, Stark has his hand in every pot of the doctor's life, and it seems now he's also interested in being a medical director. What's going on? Well, have you ever heard of the LaHue brothers? I think I may have read the book or saw the movie, but remind me. The
1: LeHue brothers were two brothers, physician brothers, who were paid by a hospital $75,000 per year to serve as medical directors. Okay. So far, probably not an
0: unusual scenario. Sounds pretty normal so far.
1: Mr. McClatchy was an officer at the medical center that was involved in this case in Kansas. Now, the relationship lasted for 13 long, wonderful, prosperous years, even though... The medical center was aware that not all of the services that were negotiated for or to be provided as medical directors were actually being provided and that there were other services that were covered under the directorship that were not actually needed. The physicians and three executives of the medical center were charged by the government with engaging in a scheme in which the services were far less than the compensation in exchange for patient referrals. And that's U.S. versus McClatchy. It was a case from 2000. And unfortunately, the LeHue brothers, as well as the executives, including Mr. McClatchy, are now spending time elsewhere. So they actually are in prison because of this? Well, at least the executives were fined. And I believe that one of them or more may have served some time in one of the state's finer institutions. So
0: if someone asks you to be a medical director, you should probably say, wow, that's really nice, thank you so much, and then really investigate as to what your role will be and if there actually is $75,000 worth of work to be done.
1: If we had to boil it down to our pearl of practice, make sure that if you're asked to be a medical director... You actually have to work for the money.
0: The LeHue brothers, really, all they had to do was just send patients over, and that was what the hospital was expecting.
1: In that particular relationship, sure, that's what the hospital wanted. It wanted to provide a perk in terms of this directorship without the LeHue brothers having to work for it in exchange for the generous admissions the, Le- the LeHue brothers were going to make to the institution.
0: It reminds me of an article I read a few years ago in the Wall Street Journal where there were some imaging centers in Florida, and they were charged with creating the same thing, medical director positions for docs who referred patients to the centers. Absolutely,
1: and the federal government took a keen interest in that particular situation in Florida. It was generally thought not to be within the exception for remuneration for a hospital unrelated to designated health services. In order to fall within the personal service exception, In other words, for this medical directorship to be valid, the arrangement has to be set out in writing, has to be signed by the parties, and it has to specify the services covered under the arrangement. I can't come to you and say, hey, Doc, you want to be a medical director of the ABC Institute? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm sure it does, but unfortunately, it's not going to pass muster under Stark. In addition to those requirements... The agreement must cover all of the arrangements between the physician and the entity. If there's other agreements that apply, for instance, you're overseeing a residency program, then other agreements need to be cross-referenced. The aggregate services of the arrangement cannot exceed those that are reasonable and necessary for the legitimate business purpose of the arrangement. In other words, we can't have any kind of windfall relationship. And the term of the arrangement has to be for at least one year. If terminated during that time, the parties may not enter into the same or substantially the same arrangement within the first year of the original term of the agreement. So, for instance, if you entered into a one-year agreement, you can't renegotiate it every two months to up the ante based on increased referrals of patients. So you've got to pick a good number at the start
0: that everybody's comfortable with. But a
1: number that is legitimate for the business purposes and a reasonable
0: figure for the services that are being provided. So these numbers can't really be picked out of thin air. They have to actually be based on something in reality. The
1: compensation has to be set in advance and it cannot exceed fair market value. It must not be determined in a manner that takes into account the volume or the value of referrals, and of course, the agreement must not involve the counseling or promotion of a business activity that violates state or federal law and i 'll leave that one up to the
0: imagination of your listeners You are listening to reach md xm two thirty three the channel for medical professionals i 'm your host dr. Larry Kaskill and i 'm with Jim bream, attorney and featured speaker on various healthcare care and legal medical issues. Jim, we were talking about, once again, fair market value, You know, like selling a house. How does someone determine what the fair market value is? Does the market decide, or is there someone sitting in Washington who decides a medical director should get paid $49,000 a year?
1: Let's look at what Stark says and see if we can make this as complicated as possible. An hourly payment for a physician's personal services, in other words, at the physician's own hands, is determined to be fair market value if the hourly payment is established using one of two methodologies. First, the hourly rate is less than or equal to the average hourly rate for emergency room physician services in the relevant physician market, provided there are at least three hospitals providing emergency room services in that market.
0: All right, so we look at three ERs in the surrounding areas and see what those docs are getting paid for per hour, and kind of use them as comps, if you will, as if you were looking at the houses that were sold on your block. That's right. You're taking the average of those rates. And I'm just guessing off the top of my head that an ER physician probably makes $200 an hour. I have no idea if that's fair or reasonable, but off the top of my head, $200 an hour translates to what, what a year? $400,000 a year? Does that seem right? I
1: think under the example, if you had in your market, you had one ER group making two hundred dollars an hour, one making two hundred and fifty dollars an hour, and another making three hundred dollars an hour, then this first test would have you average them and use the two hundred and fifty dollars per hour benchmark. The second test is for the hourly rate to be determined by averaging the fiftieth percentile national compensation level for physicians with the same physician specialty, or if the specialty is not identified in the survey for general practice, in at least four of certain enumerated and accepted surveys, dividing by two thousand hours, figuring that two thousand hours is the average
0: annual work period. All right. So our listeners obviously will be asked, hopefully at one time in their career or another, to be a medical director of something. What should they do? Should they immediately run to their attorney and have them review the contract, or can they just accept it and worry about it later?
1: Your listeners should ask these
0: questions: Are the services
1: legitimate services, and are they defined in the contract? So like administering
0: a fellowship program,
1: yeah, as opposed to you know holding an honorary chair with no actual function. They should ask if you're being paid on an hourly basis. Is the hourly rate calculated under an accepted start criteria, as we just talked about, or is there an objective way to determine fair market value? And they should ask after obtaining the written contract with its express terms, is there a means for continuing to quantify those services so that the agreement will pass a future audit if necessary?
0: What if you're asked to hold an honorary chair? I wasn't familiar that that honorary chairs actually paid something. Do they? I've seen people
1: hold positions as a professor at a particular teaching institution with no payment. I think that that's obviously perfectly acceptable, and that's an honorary position. But what the Stark regulations are looking at is where the position of a chair or a directorship is being used not to actually secure a service, but rather to provide a perk
0: to the particular provider in exchange for referrals. Jim, I got one last question for you. Why does the government care about a false medical director position? Why do they even bother looking into this?
1: Remember, the government's interest is not solely to penalize the physician, although I know in going through these stark regulations, physicians may feel that way. But the government wants to protect the interests of the patient. And what the government is weary of is the relationship created by a false medical director in exchange for patient referrals so that the motivation to put a patient in a hospital or to refer to a particular facility is tied to this compensation as opposed to the actual needs of the patient.
0: I'd like to thank our guest, Attorney Jim Bream. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thanks for listening.